live from the house here from my apartment uh doing a little podcast again we're not stopping we're not stopping there's no way we're stopping there's just you can't convince me to stop uh so who do, what do we do we called up cole wallister uh from episode 17 if you didn't check that one out go back and check that one out um because it was super fire i was all starstruck when cole first came up because he's a hollywood director da, 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 all this type of stuff but cole is like a creator like he creates things that were not there previously whether that's like physically or whether that's digitally through storytelling or short form content or commercials or whatever it may be but for real cole like lives that life like cole has the dream life in many ways like he's a canadian living down in la he's the surfer the filmmaker he talks with all these a-list celebrities to the glam bot he's like he's got selfies with ariana grande and all these different types of stuff he's you know again doing stuff on the globe golden globes he's taking retro g-wagons and going out to the back country and camping on top of them he's living that life coffee connoisseur all types of stuff crazy hair flipper ig is popping blowing up on tiktok blah all types of stuff but above all that super cool dude love chopping it up with them and i appreciate him taking the time while he was down at ground zero in la to come chop it up with uh, me all things we kept it pretty light we kept it pretty loose this is great content for you while you are all quarantined up as always like subscribe all that go check out the visual experience on youtube and thank you so much for tuning in what's up cole uh, joining us live from uh what do you call it cafe colion Cafe Coleon. Cafe yeah, Coleon. Cafe Coleon. Yes, that's one of the great things about this uh this whole quarantine thing. You know, you get to stay home, make the coffee, you got the amazing espresso machine, you're hanging out. Like life seems yeah. pretty good for you, man. Life isn't bad right now. I mean, obviously barring the craziness that is going on, but life in my apartment ain't so bad in this quarantine situation. The good coffee machine really does help. Uh so yeah, I can't complain. So when are the coffee beans coming? Can I order them on Amazon? That's what I'm really worried about. I heard you're oh, starting dude. a new business venture. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that is the dream. I would love to the be dream. like roasting oh and selling. Yeah, the dream. It's like for someone like, yeah, it's like doing uh, filmmaking, directing. It's like a, my side hustle is coffee. You Hell know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's only right. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely a thing I'm trying to sort out. I mean, obviously everything is put on hold. Like that kind of thing is put on hold right now. But um, yeah, the idea of like roasting my own beans and like having my own little coffee situation is cool. I love the culture <laughs> so funny i'm like i love the idea that like coffee really brings people together and you can come meet for a cup and like have a cup of coffee Absolutely, but, but that's kind anymore. of not the case right now but hopefully we'll get back to that and then one day we can have a little cafe colion out there in the world hopefully we can well listen man i just wanted to, like i wanted to thank you for, for coming back on especially in these trying times i know things are wild right now um fans of the podcast will know we threw this all the way back to episode 17 uh, when you came by we're on this will be episode may, close to 70 now um, which oh, is wow. super, super that. crazy. Going We're just strong. going week after week. Um, yeah. And if you want the backstory on Cole, go go check out the back catalog. The back catalog is crazy. We talk, you know, story and come up and purpose and the why behind things and filmmaking and all these different types of how to make it as a creative in the industry type talk, which is great. Um, and I still have a lot of questions for that. But my main question after just kind of going through and, and researching you even more than I already have is, do you still talk to the Red Dragon team, the Red Dragon squad? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, not really. Oh, come I on. mean, who is? No, Red I mean, Dragon? I was, I was never like, I was never like close, close with with them. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but yeah. like, just growing up skating in Vancouver, it's like obviously you know who Colin Moses and Sluggo are. You know what I mean? And yeah. so 
Uh, we've been friendly on social, but like, it's I was never like there were I was never like homies with them really. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we'd say what's up like back in the day, but that's about it. That's about it. So I know I know you're inside all the time, and I know you're tr- trying to you know obviously you're re- we're reaching out to people that are like hey I haven't talked to you in so long how you doing checking in all that type of stuff man go go reach out to the to the skate homies back in the day man <laughs> yeah no that that is a that is a good point I mean definitely I mean I definitely keep in touch with some of them for sure yeah um but uh but yeah it's like it's it's crazy it feels like a uh it's definitely still a part of me and like my DNA but it definitely seems and feels like a different world at this point you know it most definitely is a different world so now we're in this world now we're all stuck up in our homes so as a creative as like as one of the lead creatives in the world really because like that's kind of the position people go that far but i would say (laughs) i'm doing what i can you know man you have no idea people reference you i don't think like you need to understand you outside of you right and and you outside of you is like oh that's people look at you as the blueprint now which is pretty crazy and well i'll tell you this this is what's interesting uh not to cut you off but this is what's interesting about that it's like i feel like i've been doing what i've been doing steadily for like a few years and and what i mean a few years is like the idea of like focusing on social and like really putting that stuff forward so it's like i i kind of decided to really uh invest into that in like 2017 and i was like all right i'm gonna do this and like really put this forward and like make this a thing and so i've just been continuing on that since like 2017 the difference is like you know in the past year and a half like just so many more people are aware of it because Mm -hmm. of like the glam bots and how stuff is sort of like taken off in that kind of aspect. But to me on the inside, I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing. So like nothing right. is new to me. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, uh, I'm still putting my same foot forward in front of the other. Like I was in 2017, you know, uh, just now there's like a bigger audience, but I don't really, it's cool. And I, and I think it's awesome, but like, I don't, it, I don't feel like anything is different. I just, more people are aware. So like, I, I understand that, uh, like, like you just said, like people probably view me in a different way than they did in 2017. Absolutely. But to me, I'm just like, I'm doing the same thing. You know right. what I mean? I'm just sort of like figuring it out one step at a time and like trying to make as much cool stuff as I can. So and you're there's two sides of it. Yeah. It's all <laughs> yeah. good, man. Like, and we, it, it's, it's always hard to contextualize ourselves outside of ourselves. Right. And so oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and yeah, we're, we're judging ourselves as tough. So now like, now you're stuck up in the house. Now you creatives creatives really need to get creative to like push out content and stuff like that. How are you trying to capture the moment of quarantine and COVID-19? And how are you trying to capture like and really like survive and thrive? Because obviously things are canceled, but you have now more time, more opportunity to be creative. How are you trying to capitalize on this time? Yeah, as far as like a creativity, like output perspective, I, I view this as like a huge opportunity. I For mean, sure. Don't get me wrong. It sucks for a lot, a lot of reasons, right? And, and and reasons we're all intimately familiar with, right? But I think that for me, like the idea of uh, like this creativity and this expression is like there's a lot of things that I've like wanted to do that I haven't quite been able to give myself the time because I'm chasing, you know, these jobs or not like I don't view it as like chasing like a paycheck, but it's like the jobs that pay my rent are still like good jobs that I want to do, Absolutely. but like it does ocu- occupy my time and my focus, right? And so now it's like, I view this as an opportunity to like really be able to dig into like some creative endeavors. I've always, you know, for the past couple of years, I've really been focusing on writing and that's been like a main thing that I'm trying to do, but now I just get to really dive in and there's like way fewer distractions. And like, while this financial strains are concerning for me, like I, I literally don't know when 
actual directing production work is going to start up again. Right. Like it might be next month. It might be three months from now. It might be like six months, you know? So it's like the idea that I might have to go six months with a paycheck is terrifying. Right. Mm. And so I, uh, that aside, I'm like trying to just figure out how to take this situation and use it to my benefit or like, you know, get some stuff done that I normally don't get done. Mm. I, my whole MO on this right now is like all of the things that I, always tell myself i don't have time for now i have now time for so do all of them yes yeah, you know what i mean and that's everything from like from like digging in on this script that i've been writing to like cleaning my pantry in my closet it's just like those are things <laughs> that like you should do and i've been wanting to do but it's like when do you ever make time for that but now i you know i've done that and i'm doing my closet upstairs and like that kind of a thing like adds to your well-being and like you just never make time for it. So I'm trying to like find those little benefits and those little wins in this situation of being stuck at home. No, for sure. I mean, I know you've always been focused on long form content. That's kind of been a goal for you is going to get a little bit more towards long form content, which is great. This is the opportunity to write and be creative and really push yourself in that. So like, I know that you're super passionate about that. And, you know, I, I've been listening to stories on the podcast about how you want to like, you know, that's the career pr progression and everyone looks at you like, oh, Cole, like you're doing so great. And like, well, this is actually kind of what I, what I, I want to tell long form stories and, and write and, and direct on that level, which is beautiful. And then I heard that you're actually proceeding to go and try to make um, Alien 3, was it? Is that what you're trying to do for your breakout? <laughs> or are you... Uh, wait, wait, what? <laughs> I, I, I heard on a podcast where you're like, uh, listen, everyone wants to um, go out and like really do something heartfelt and and blockbuster and really tell a beautiful story. But hey, if you got to go make Alien 3, you got to go make Alien 3. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I was talking about like Ridley Scott's first movie. I think, was it Alien 2 that he Or Alien directed? 2 maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so like, you know, I, I, I try to balance the idea of like, I mean, look, always dream big, but like be pragmatic about like, like the steps you need to get there. And mm -hmm. I think that like the long, the long game is the game. It's not about just like today or tomorrow, you know what I mean? And so if you can do something that puts you in the better in a better position to do the thing you really want to do, it could be worth doing. So Absolutely. I think that's just sort of speaks to that. It's like, yeah, though Alien is like an awesome franchise and I think it would be awesome to do like <laughs> Alien 3 or Alien 4, of course, right? Right. But I think at the time when people were doing like Alien 2, I and I think they even did 3 back then. But um, and anyways, you know, it's like, it's just the idea of, looking at the long, really the long game and like positioning yourself to be in that spot to get to where you want to be. Because if I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I'm not going to do that because they're not exactly in line with like my destination. Mm -hmm. I might not ever get to the destination. So it's like you have to pick and choose and figure out your trajectory amongst all of these opportunities, yeah, even totally. though some of them might not be perfect. And right? take and, and take what you have and work and like build another great thing. I think that you've done beautifully is just taking different opportunities and random spheres and be like, now nah, I can add to my skill set with this, which is great. And like something that's going to benefit you for, you know, the years to come, the decades to come. So you're, you're, you're working on, was it a comedy film? What are you working on right now? Like, give me some hints. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the uh, the script that I've been working on for like a year and a half now with my buddy up in Vancouver. Actually, we're writing it together. On the way. It is like a it, it is like a buddy comedy. Nice. Um, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's a fun experience writing with someone, and it definitely like uh, it's it's really motivating because it's like we have a schedule, and it's like when you're by yourself, you'll I'll like come downstairs and I'll work, and if I get distracted or I get frustrated, it's like it's easy to put down, but. You know, we every couple of days we check in and we go, OK, we're going to like write these sections or I'll do this work. You do that work. Mm -hmm. Talk on Thursday. And so like having these self-imposed deadlines, even they're just with a buddy. And it's like if if, you know, whatever hits a fan, it's like we could push that. It's not a big deal. But mm -hmm. even having that little bit 
of like commitment to being like, oh, we're setting time aside to talk. Uh, I should get this done because, you know, he's got a family. He's busy. I'm busy. And it's just like, I don't want to waste our time. So it just helps keep uh, keep us on track. And it's been a it's been a fun exercise. And, and I think the project's a lot better because of it. Um, right. Being a comedy, it's like you never know exactly what's you never really know what's funny until obviously it's like shot and you're showing an audience. But even in like conceptualizing jokes and like humor and intellectualizing like what might be funny, what what's not with someone else, you have a bit of a sounding board and you have twice as many ideas like writing a comedy by yourself. Like I'm just sitting here thinking of funny stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how is that going to work? Right. You need, you need a bit of back and forth and need a bit of interaction. So I think that's uh, really compounded uh, the productiveness and, and, and benefits of writing with someone. And it's different from being like a, a comic, right? Because if you're a comic, you go to the clubs and you work your stuff out and you go, okay, that wasn't funny. That was, and then you have this direct feedback system. Whereas here you're like, all right, we just need to figure this out. And we don't have really, I mean, I have my, you know, whoever I'm working with, but other than that, I have no audience I can bounce this off by, which is like tough. What if there's a world where um, you then can go on, you're creating long form content, but then you take bits of that long form content and take the narratives out and just put them out of social pieces and see if they get responses. Is that something you could do? Uh, I, I think in theory, yes. I don't necessarily think it would work for this project in particular, simply because like we're creating this entire world in this film. Ah. And like, if you don't understand what the world is, the humor might not really play. Got it. Got if it, got if it. the world was the same as like the US or wherever we live at home, you could in theory, like just take little jokes and like make little bits and pieces. And I think it would like, if there was a version where we all just understood what this world was that we we're creating, like absolutely. But I think, the function of this idea, it's a bit like fish out of water. So these two guys go to this world that's like, not world, but like this place that's very foreign to them. Mm-hmm. And a part of like how and why is 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 integral to the humor of the film. So uh, it just in this instance, I, I think not. But I think generally like, yes. And that is definitely um, a pro- an approach some people have taken before. And like, it's always a struggle. Like content is king, right? Content is constantly king and you constantly mm-hmm. gotta be pumping that stuff out. And you're like, Glambot, amazing hair, sunset, surfing. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you're like, I gotta figure it out. What are we doing here, right? Um, yeah. Which, yo, man, we should do, I don't know, man, we gotta pitch you some like, well, let's do a vlog of like, you and your mom going around Steveston, like just like eating oh, yeah. pastries or something like that's some fire content. We got to figure out yeah. a way to do that. Yeah. I mean, anything with my mom is definitely fire content. And the I socials think actually, like, love your mom. I know an afternoon in Steveston, like when this is all said and done, it sounds like an amazing little, little vlog day adventure. Steveston Diaries. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's totally. a Netflix series. Well, like screw Instagram. Let's get it going here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely definitely um yo content is king and i was going through your instagram and and i i, I actually i found your your manscaping or your manscaped <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and your yeah. your your uh, i guess in partnership with your commercial and i was like man that is that is top two instagram ads <laughs> all time you should well, get yeah. director credits for that that's insane yeah for those i mean, don't know what i'm talking about i'll link to it <laughs> Yeah, it, that was a funny thing. And like, so because my social has been taking off, I've been getting requests to do sort of some branded content, some kind of like influencer marketing and stuff like that. For sure. And so for me, like I always want to use the opportunity to like, A, learn something or just be like, make something cool, you know? So it's like with that Manscaped thing, like they hit me up for a post basically. And so I could have just been like taking a photo and been like, hey, like I got this Manscaped stuff and check it out. Like that's would satisfy their criteria, right? Right. But I was kind of like, well, I mean, that's boring and cheesy. I don't want to do that. But like, 
I want, I just want to make something that's fun and, and crazy and shows my personality and creativity in making an ad. Cause yeah. I've been working in commercials forever and I understand the marketing aspect. And so I was just like, all right, let me see if I can come up with a silly, crazy, funny idea and then shoot it like just a commercial, a commercial for it essentially. But like yeah, just totally. at home with like my buddy, who's not even a, a camera operator, like literally <laughs> just my friend who like is my friend. And I was like, Hey, hold the camera like this, do this. And we just basically spent like two hours and we shot this funny concept. I cut it together that night, sent it to them. They loved it and approved it and we put it out. <laughs> That's super fire, man. I, I can't, listen, I hope you get more partnerships, more in partnership with, because I just want the content because that, that's how. Yeah, no, it, it was, it's interesting because I've actually had a couple, I've been working on a few more, but like it really with, it really varies because like Manscaped is like super young and hip and like it's a small company, but I'm, I've done some other stuff with other companies that are bigger. They have marketing agencies and so you ha- you're in this weird balance of like, yeah, 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 do your own thing, but like follow all these guidelines and like right, all right, these legalities. Right. So, you know, you sort of like try to figure out the landing place of like doing your own thing, but like adhering to the literally like the legal aspects of what this advertisement is. And uh, some kind of, sometimes it can be a little tricky to balance that, but that's a part of like the learning experience, you know? It's part of the learning experience. And it's, it's interesting because you balance that with, because you have this like glam bot, TikTok, like cult like following now which like i can't even understand it's it's crazy (laughs) i was wondering if you could like break it down for me like what is analogous in life to like having what is it like 5.9 6.1 i guess it's like probably 6.2 by now um you know followers on social this is crazy Uh, i mean since the last time we talked you were big but now you're huge man what the hell is going on I have no idea what it's analogous <laughs> to because it's like, it's all so new to me. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's insane. It's super cool and it's fun and I really enjoy it. And I like making content. I like pe- putting it out and I like getting good feedback. It's like really fun and, and it, and it motivates and drives me. Um, but it is, it is a little foreign to me. I'm like, right. I don't know necessarily what to think of it. I think it's cool, but like to articulate what it, means i i don't really know i i try my best to like not think about it in the sense of like i'm just gonna like do whatever i've been doing and like if they like it they like it and if they don't they don't mm-hmm. because i think that if i start thinking about the impact or the gravity of like having x many followers and this many eyes on a post it like i would just like stop i'd be terrified <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. so like i've definitely thought of some things and have like looked at it and been like should I post this? And I'm like, nah, screw it. Like it's, it's like, if I I ask myself, like, would I post this like last year with this many followers? Like, yeah, sure. Of course. So send, you know what I mean? Wow. So I try not to, I definitely have filtered myself. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not just like, ah, put up whatever. Like my whole thing is curated. Uh, And I think what I accept and, or what I post and what I don't post is a thing that constantly changes, but I just try not to let the number of people that are going to see it be a factor in what I decide I'm posting. It's more along the lines of like, is this true to me? Is this like a part of what I find entertaining and funny or whatever? And if that's in alignment, then post. The The number factor is not an issue or a factor in deciding when to post or not. See, it's interesting because like you've kind of cracked the Da Vinci Code in a way because it's like, I don't know, you do it really well and I don't know how you do it, but you're extremely curated and quote unquote like on brand, but yet you're in no way inauthentic. And, and you're one of the few people I've seen that can pull that off. I think it's just like, 
I think that a part of it, I mean, I, I, so, okay. So I have a couple thoughts on that and like mostly like it's by design because like I, when I set out to like really focus on social, I made it a point to be like, the thing that I'm marketing is my personality. Mm. It's not my career. It's not my resume. It's not the glam bot. It's not these things. It's like my personality is this guy who does cool stuff like the glam bot or goes on adventures or whatever. But at the core, it's like the thing that I'm selling is my personality. So no matter what I do, it, it'll it'll line back up with that. Mm-hmm. And so I think people get caught in doing like their thing that is anything but their personality. And it it might read a little different because they're like trying to serve that master of like unboxing videos or like photo editing or whatever it might be. And the people that can line those two up and inject their personality within the niche that they're doing um, are, are the winners in my book and the people that I looked up, up to. Like someone like Peter McKinnon, mm. like who does tons of cool photo stuff and like has all these great tutorials. But like, I when I when I realized this was a thing, I, I looked at his YouTube page and like you know he's got like thirty videos on the front page or whatever, right? Right. I and all different topics of like doing different things. I looked at that grid and I was like, I could click on any of these, no matter what the topic is, and know I would enjoy it, even mm. if I'm not interested in like five quick tips to like shoot better portraits, like you know, because he's so good at infecting his content with his personality, and that's the thing that's appealing. I'm there, yes, for like, I, I find out about him through like getting photo tips or whatever, but I'm there because of his personality. And so I've really tried to take that approach with like, sure, you find out who I am through these like Glambot slow-mo videos, but then once you see my personality, that's what you're staying for. And so mm-hmm. every all the other content is in alignment with that. And that's the thing that can remain on brand yet still be authentic and not sort of waver from that. Right, right, right. Totally. I get it. Cool Glambot since 2015, right? Is that right? 2016? 2016. So yeah, Glambot since 2016. Can I just make a quick note and just say that like I watched the Egyptians. I know it's not the same thing, but I watched uh-huh. what you were doing over there in Cairo. And every uh-huh. one of those celebrities is way cooler because they're doing crazy stuff. Did yeah, you notice that? Yeah, they were, they were very, uh, very much like more willing to just kind of be crazy with it. I think they were super excited, of course, like to have uh sort of the the glambot type system over there so like they were really amped to like do cool stuff um and it's just like just the attitude is just a little different it's a little looser i mean you know it's like if you're at the oscars like you're not jumping around you know around in your tux or you're you know what i mean so but you could i don't know you could and some people do you know but like hey i i get it you know what i mean i don't know i think I'll just say like Egypt was tons of fun and they were super down to do crazy stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. You don't seem, you don't seem intimidated or even frightened at all in this, like in this day. And you're walking around with these like super, super, super A-list celebrities. Like I was just, I was just on your Instagram yesterday and just like going through and I was like, I was watching your BTS with Ariana Grande and I was just like, like the level of casual that is here is, <laughs> uh-huh. is insane. And like, I remember that she's just like, she came up, the dress was whatever. And you're like, all right, I'm gonna do this thing. Da, 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 da. And she's like, cool. And then she's like, oh, like it's kind of ugly. And then you're like, oh, we can shoot another one. She's like, actually, it's kind of pretty. I'm like, and then you're just like, yeah, you're fucking gorgeous. Fuck it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was, that was my answer. I was like, what? like, well, you are gorgeous. So fuck it. I was like, well, you are Ariana Grande. So there's that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's. It, I was actually. I was definitely nervous for her. Um, you can tell the way you can tell is if I talk like a little faster. Right. You're that's definitely. Going, that's yeah. me. Yeah, just like me trying to get through it. But mostly, I think it's partially nervousness because like people get people have gotten pulled from my booth before. So like, oh, they're what? like, oh no, 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 she has to go. Like oh. the publicist will pull them away because they have to go into the show. So because if they're presenting or performing or something like that, like there's definitely been times where they literally like pull them. I can't remember. I think it was Lana Del Rey for, I can't remember what award show, but I think she was performing. And so she came by, I explained to her what was going on. Everything was all set. I literally was about to go three, two, one action. So it was like 15 more seconds. And the publicist was like, she has to go right now. And she literally pulled her off the mark and they left. And I was like, Okay, like I explained everything already. Like she was on the mark, ready to do it, you know? And so I'm always fearful of that happening. So when I get someone like Ariana Grande or Brad Pitt or whatever, I mean, Brad Pitt was like pretty like mosey. He was like moseying along. Right, so that, right, that right, was right, fine. Right, right. But some people you get the sense it's just like super frenetic and you know that they're might, they might get pulled in any second. And so the faster I talk, the faster I can get through it. Um, Maybe that's just my excuse. Maybe I'm just nervous as heck and I just don't, uh, I don't think so, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so but yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I've also done so many of them at this point where, you know, it's like I know the deal so I can like sit back and relax and just sort of like, you know, communicate efficiently rather than be like, I'm not worried about the technicality or the system. Like when I first started doing it, it's like I'm so worried about the camera movement and the focus and the the talents movement and like how this is going to work. Uh, you know, I don't, I, not that I don't pay attention to the conversation, but like, I'm worried about a ton of other stuff. Mm-hmm. I have that stuff so dialed in now. It's more just like, Hey, like, what's up? Like, let's do something fun and like really can connect with them and talk more. Um, so I think that helps too, like over time and experience. Definitely. No, I get it. I mean, and, and you're well-versed in that situation, but you're in a lot of high stakes situations or like high stakes, we'll call them performances, whether you're on, on camera or as a director. Cause I mean, in a sense, like that's a performance in a sense too. Like you're, again, you're, you're very much, you're commanding an orchestra in a way right and and it, it astounds me when i see because you all, all these bts you've gotten so good with the content and gotten so good with people like marrying basically your personality through all that and when i pick up through that i'm like oh my gosh this guy deals with pressure extremely extremely well how do you what is your thoughts around pressure and how you deal with it because it seems like you've got it nailed it's definitely i mean i think generally like i've always been pretty chill like it takes <laughs> right, a right, lot right. for me to get riled up um, and I said, so I think that's sort of a benefit. Um, but like, just, I don't know, you know, like I, I realized that like, okay, so, you know, being in production and being on set and like directing, like if you have an hour left and you have two hours worth of work, like fretting about it, isn't going to help you get through it. Mm-hmm. It's just going to make it worse. It's just going to make it harder for you to make decisions. So I realized from early on that like I'm best suited to just keep my composure and like to be this like sort of like like co- like calm commander in a sense uh, to guide the ship forward. Because the other thing too, like when I was learning and I mean, I'm still learning, but like when I was really trying to figure out like how to direct stuff, I would talk to a lot of people and ask people who were had had a ton of experience, like more more so performing in front of camera like hey like what's what do you notice about directors that are good what do you notice directors that are bad and the consensus amongst everybody that i talked to was like a director that was indecisive and like unorganized and like couldn't make up their mind that seemed to me to be like the worst like everybody's like oh this one was the worst they couldn't figure out what they wanted they didn't know how to do it they didn't know and like they couldn't figure out they couldn't make up their mind or whatever the case may be 
So I was like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm never going to do that, you know what I mean, if I want to succeed. And I think that a part of that is just retaining your composure in these high-pressure situations. And that's just a thing that that you practice at and you get good at. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes down to like knowing like if you're freaking out, like that's not helping you get to the end you want to get to. So like just do your best not to freak out and like think about what you – the task you have to achieve and – what sacrifices you need to make to get there, you know? But if I do it in a panic, it just makes it worse and unenjoyable, you know? Mm. No, man, I totally get it. I think, uh, are you are you trying to go a little bit more into being on the other side of the camera? I know you are a ton, like, on your socials and stuff, but, like, in acting or any of that, like, I know you had that cameo in, like, Wiz Khalifa's video, and I was like, damn, <laughs> he's really, like, that seems like a high-stakes uh, situation. He seems to be keeping his cool just fine. Yeah. Are you looking to do any more of that stuff, or, or what's up? I, abso- absolutely. I totally am. I think that, uh, I think it would be a lot of fun. Like, you know, I, I actually grew up, you know, dancing and performing in front of camera in that sense. So now that I haven't, I don't really dance anymore. So it's like that kind of performing aspect in nature. Like I I feel like I need to scratch that itch a little bit. And I've been having a lot of fun, like on my social and just sort of like just being in front of camera is cool. And I, and it's another thing that I enjoy. So I definitely want to do more of that. Um, Where that necessarily leads me, I I don't know, but it's just a thing that I'm super open to. And like, I, I definitely want to do a little bit more of for sure. I love it. You you definitely seem like you've taken on that LA persona and all that. Like you, but you have these like this wholesome this wholesomeness about you, right? Everyone says, "Oh, he's a Canadian. He's a Canadian. Whatever, whatever." <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. "Oh man, we need some of that back here at home, right?" And and I always think about like you know here in Vancouver, we have production studios in town constantly. Every block, <laughs> there's a blockbuster um, movie going on, and but what seems to happen is that they always come. You know they. They come to Vancouver to shoot because Vancouver is the best city. They can look like any city. Um, but they bring all the LA talent up. They don't necessarily source locally. And I wanted to get your thoughts really quickly on how do we make it so that people in Vancouver, whether it's directors or actors or filmmakers or whatever, actually get hired and actually shoot here because the scene here is super, super transplanted. And, you know, frankly, there's a ton of talent here. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, do you want the short answer or the long answer? Hey, man, it's all up to how much time you got. <laughs> uh, well, the, so the short answer is discouraging. The short answer is you can't do anything about it, right. to be frank. Right. You know what I mean? Because like what it is, it's like a top, top level thing of like, can so what you're talking about is like Canadian productions and Canadian studios uh, be creating shows and content in Vancouver, in Canada, hiring Canadians to do it. The problem with that is like literally comes down to the amount of money that Canadians spend on entertainment and government on like how many grants like that. You, you There's nothing you can do to affect that. I think you right. can like petition things and like make a difference. But like that's such a high level that like and I don't want to be discouraging, but like you might be better off picking other battles. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. Or or but I mean, they do still spend money and they do still like have options for that. Um, but I think that I don't you know, I don't know, like the 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 long answer is a little more complicated because they like they do like us productions do hire canadians but like yes it's not really for the major roles they hire bit parts day players crew like you know canadian crews work nonstop you know right. um but they do bring directors in from la and they do bring lead talent in from la the problem isn't so much it's a bit of a it's just like a catch 22 you know what i mean it's the same thing with like uh 
a couple years ago, you know, like before Crazy Rich Asians came out, right. <laughs> people were like, oh, like you can't have Asians lead in pictures. And that's why Ghost in the Shell had Scarlett Johansson cast as like the Asian character. And like all these things were, were problematic because it was a bit of a catch 22. And so you just couldn't win because studios would go, oh, we can't cast an Asian lead because they don't sell. But the reason why they don't sell is because there's no pictures that have Asian leads in them, you know, so it's like you're kind of screwed. And like being a Canadian in the entertainment industry is a bit like that, mm. where like there's there's not opportunity because no one gives you opportunity. But then, you know, there's there's like, what are you supposed to do? And I think that like the one of the reasons is like every once in a while, these these sort of things break down barriers like Crazy Rich Asians breaks down this sort of like invisible barrier that Asians had. And now everybody's like, oh, like they can like sell <laughs> movies tickets now. And you're like, obviously, yeah, no but shit. you just need you just need that one thing to kind of like break down those doors. Mm. And it also just depends. It like, it just comes down to like, it's, it's, it comes down to the business aspect. So like your argument that there's a ton of talented people in Vancouver, there's no argument against that. But the problem is like, we're not talking about talent. We're talking about a business, you know what I mean? So for this TV show, to like get their dollars for the network like they want someone that's been known and so yes there are some in vancouver but like there's a whole bunch more in la you know and it's just sort of like a tricky it's a tricky thing you're you know so uh i think there's like the good part of the long answer is that it is slowly changing and i think it really matters less where you from where you're from and like where you're working because there's opportunity for everyone nowadays with social with the connectivity of like how the entertainment industry is going and with the idea that we're breaking down these barriers in between film, TV, commercial, digital, like those are all gone. Mm. Those are all good things for these people that are trying to sort of like pave their way in the industry. But like back when I decided I wanted to be a director, those were so far, so much in place. I was like, oh, I have to go to LA. There was no option for me to stay in Vancouver to be a director. I was like, they don't hire directors from Vancouver. I got to go. So you know, but it is changing and now there's a lot more doors open in Vancouver. So, you know, um, you can find your way. It's not like the other thing, too, is I don't want to sound too dismal of like, oh, you can't do anything about it. So tough, tough beans. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, there's definitely Vancouver or well, not Vancouver, but Canadians who find their success and have amazing careers mm. in Vancouver and then beyond. So it's like it all is possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're I just up against a lot in that particular situation that you're describing of like, oh, people should hire Vancouver or people should hire in Canada more. And you're like, you're right. But there's a whole industry like set up to not do that. So that's a little tough. You know what I mean? I wouldn't even pose that before, but it just, it's like, because we see it here every day and yet we don't see the locals, we're like, what's going on? If the industry was just completely not here and they were using Seattle the way they're using Vancouver, it's like, all right, like, it's cool. We don't have the industry. We understand it. But it feels like we have the industry, but we're not like reaping the rewards of it. So we're like all hard done by it and stuff. It it, it is. But if you have to remember too, it's like the the industry you have Mm. isn't even yours. Isn't even ours. It's LA. It's LA (laughs) just like going there to like use what it wants to use. So like they're under no obligation to hire local people. You know what I mean? Like. Like they're only there for like tax breaks and this and that. They're not really coming because, I mean, there are plenty of amazing, talented people that make that industry run. Don't get me wrong. But like it's it's a studio picture with American dollars shooting a thing. They could yeah. shoot it anywhere. Vancouver is just a place that makes a lot of sense because there are talented people that you can hire. But it's like 
they're it's a U.S. production. So, nah, you know, I like it. I would wonder, I wonder what, like, what is the percentage of Canadian productions happening in Vancouver? I don't know the number, but yeah, that's really interesting. You know, it's like it's probably not as much as the American ones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. Like I had um. We had a Tyler Johnston on the podcast who is on like a Hulu and Crave with this uh, TV uh, TV show called Leonard Kenny, um, which got picked up yeah. and all this different type of stuff. And and he was talking a lot about that. And his his like he's kind of like reached like the upper echelon of like what a Canadian actor can do or whatever. And he's like, well, now like it's like, well, I either make the jump down to LA, like and don't like I'm fine. I can completely like I can call it a good career up here, or I can make that jump down there. Or I can, you know, double down and start like producing and trying to bring money in like locally as well and and going through those crossroads and stuff. So I just I, I find it interesting as well. I'm also just in love with the city and and all that. And and so I'm like, oh man, let's get our shine. Um Yeah, I mean yeah, I mean that I mean that's a good thing. And I, I think there's many ways to give the city shine, you know, without necessarily like uh you know, with with the means that you have to do so. And I but I think to touch on like Letterkenny, that's a prime example of like an amazing Canadian story where right. it's like was like a YouTube digital content show and now it's like a full on series so that cool. people Americans out here are watching and telling like, hey have you seen the show Letterkenny? I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's like that is like the prime example of like something that you can do where it's like you take this homegrown Canadian content and you put it essentially on the world stage and then it gets great feedback. So, so like cool. doing those things, I can guarantee you that like Netflix and other networks are more interested in in Canadian homegrown shows because that show has success. Yes. Everybody's going like, what's the next letter, Kenny? Go out and find people making cool content, making skit shows. Find us the next letter, Kenny. And so just like the fact that that exists is one of those things that breaks down those doors and gives a whole ton of people more opportunities. So, you know? so that's awesome. like... A great example of that. Super, super cool. Now I love it. Listen, I want to I want to wrap up pretty quick here. Um, however, I gotta ask you about this G wagon, man. I gotta ask you yeah. about this G wagon. Let's talk what about it. is the story with the G wagon? Not only the G wagon, but the Honda as well. And for those that don't know, just go check out the IG. This guy is rolling around in this like eighties G wagon. Uh, 91, 91 so early, early nineties, right? Yeah. Just like doing all these crazy off-roading trips with the tent on the top, by the way, yeah. which is even yeah. extra epic doing these road trips and whatnot. What the hell is it about? Like, and that just adds to the mystique of like Cole Wallace, right? Like it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. would be so less cool if you went out and like bought a Ferrari, but like the fact that you went that route, just like, ah, oh, put you on this. Well, that's stage. like, that truck's my daily driver right no now. No way. Too. Oh, I drive man. that every, I go to the grocery store. I'm driving that thing. Oh, gangster. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, let's, how can I even start this story? Basically it came down to the fact that, um, I mean, I, I sort of was like, I, I just wanted to go on adventures and, and I had, I had, um, a GTI that like I loved was my car and it was just breaking down a ton. And I was like looking for a new car. I was like, Oh, I want like an adventure mobile. Like I want to be able to like get out of LA and like go into the woods and like go on these like camping adventures. It was just sort of like my life was aligning more to like wanting to do those things. And even with surfing, it was like, I was surfing a bunch and I didn't live at the beach at the time. And I was like, you know, putting my surfboard on my roof rack and driving out there, putting the trunk. And I was like, I should have, I want like a surf adventure mobile essentially right. to like go do cool stuff. And I was looking at what to get. And I, you know, like, I, I've been in love with like old defenders for years, like the classic yeah. off-road vehicle, right? And so that it's like traveled the world. And so I was looking at those, but they're super expensive. They're like 80, 90 grand for like a two-door defender, you know? And I was like, well, I'm not spending. <laughs> like, I'm definitely not spending <laughs> that much. 
So I started doing more research with like older, like vintage trucks. And I, and I found out that G wagons had been made since the seventies. They made two door versions. They never made them in the States, but you could get them and you could import them. So I started doing research on how I met a bunch of enthusiasts. Uh, I got advice on how to do it. And I found one that was being imported and I, and I bought it. It was super bone stock. It had little steel wheels on it and like nothing done to it. No fenders, no nothing. Uh, and I bought that in, I think, 2016 too. Mm. 2016 was a good year. Um, 2016 was a good year. Moved nice, to the beach, nice, nice. bought the G-Wagon. Was, my whole life changed in 2016. Um, I've been just slowly like beefing it up with like putting big off-road wheels and tires on, getting it lifted, adding a bunch of off-road lights, a tent. Gangster. And uh, I had a lease with another car for a while. And then that lease was up. And I was like thinking about, oh, I should get a Tesla or like do like Teslas are cool. And like, I, I want to like do my part and get an electric vehicle. But it just like didn't make any sense to, they're expensive too. I was like, right. I don't, I don't. Teslas I, are not, it, they're not cheap. No. And, and the thing that came to it, actually, this, this is the determining factor, right? It wasn't, I was like, okay, so I could get a Tesla and pay the monthly payment. It would be expensive and that would be great and sweet. I'd, I'd enjoy driving it. But I was like, I, I want to do everything to make a movie. And so what I don't want to happen is like me get this Tesla and all of a sudden I have to take like other editing jobs or other random little video jobs that like take up my time just so I can pay that bill when like ultimately what I would be happy doing, and this is going to come full circle, is in 2016, I was like, I'd be happy staying at home, not working and writing this script. Wow. So like I'm happy to, to do that. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get a Tesla. I'm not going to increase my monthly expenses. And if I don't work, I'll be fine. I mean, don't work as much. I'll be fine saying no to jobs so I can sit home and write. And so coincidentally now, 2020, I am sitting are. home and writing like as much <laughs> as my heart desires because I definitely got no work right now. Yeah. So then there it is. Hey, man, you could you could have used that Tesla because it's got the air filter or whatever, right? And things get really da- yep. bad downtown LA. You'd be have like, I'm filter, fine. Just clean it all up. I know, yeah. right? Ridiculousness, ridiculousness. Well, you know, you might have to live that van life a little bit more, that G-Wagon life a little bit more, go out on some some off-roading trips because you might want to, you know, get a little bit further away from the general population and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Well, the next thing, well, so the next thing, I, this is like, this is the extra, extra adventure. I've been looking at all these Sprinter vans, like these big Mercedes vans. Yeah. And I was like, imagine if I like built out a Sprinter van to be like a sweet editing studio with like dual screen, like RAID, super fast computer, like in this thing. And I literally could just drive around the country, live at, like be fully living out of the van, like bed, stove, shower, but have my editing studio like in the van. And then I just drive around the country. I can write in the mornings. I can go take photos and do like oh, man, editing you've projects. You've thought about it. You've, you, yeah. You, and I'm like, close. that's the next step. You're close. I've, I've done, I've done the numbers on it too. And I was like, if I got rid of my apartment, that would essentially be the car payment. I could just live in the van. Perfect. So Damn. we'll see what you, happens. I think you're maybe a little bit too not tied down. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're down there. Yeah. You got like no, no dogs, no cats, no, no girlfriend, no, no family. Right. You're just all alone over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I definitely, ha- I mean, I have a girlfriend now. So oh, damn. I got one of those okay, things. Okay, I'll keep that on the low. Okay, my yeah. bad, my bad. <laughs> no, but like, you know, but but all those other things, I mean, like, yeah, there's no, there's not really anything keeping me tied here. You know right. what I mean? Like the, the, the dog responsibilities, family stuff here in LA is like, you know, I whatever. can definitely just go take off. So cool. Well, I'm just gonna brush the the fact that you just crushed millions of people's hopes under the under the under the uh, under the carpet <laughs> there, and uh, and try to wrap it up a little bit here, man. But I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on amidst uh, amongst everything that's going on, and 
And thank you for, you know, one thing I'll share on like our first interaction, it just goes back to what you were talking about earlier is like when I walked out of our first interview, I, and this was two years ago, I'm like, oh man, it's astounding to me that there's someone that lives and works in such a superficial or artificial world, it being the entertainment industry, and yet it's so real and authentic. So I just I applaud you for staying true to that. And whether you're in a Wiz Khalifa music video or on the red carpet or out surfing or on the bike or in a G-Wagon, coal is coal. And that's super commendable, dude. So thank you for, for hey, being like you, that. thank you, man. Appreciate that. Cool, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on and uh, please stay healthy, stay home, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting up next time. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Let's do it again. Uh, let's do it again. Oh, and the socials, right. I want to get, what, are the, what are the socials, man? Plug it. Oh, all socials are just my name. Yeah. Uh, so Instagram, Cole Wallacer, Facebook, Cole Wallacer, YouTube, Cole Wallacer, TikTok now, Cole Wallacer. Yo, TikTok's Twitter. crazy. Oh, TikTok my God. Is crazy. Uh, Twitter is my old nickname, which is Coleone, but I've actually been in communication with them. Uh, and I think they're switching it to Cole Wallacer uh, in the next week or two. So That's awesome. Well, listen, out, I, I hope to see you at Cafe Coleone. Um, until then, I'm not making Dude, a trip Dude, if you down come LA. down here, you definitely got to come over. If, <laughs> once the quarantine is lifted, if you're in LA, make you coffee at the house. Hey, listen, we'll it, it's either that or we're opening up a coffee shop in Stevenson, all right? The choice is I yours. Think I think both, actually. Uh, both. Do both. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks so much, Cole. Until next time. Awesome. Thanks, man. Damn. Thank you guys for checking out the podcast one more time. Um, again, we're just we're doing content to this whole thing. We're gonna keep it rolling. Please do check out the show notes on the website. We have a beautiful website that was designed by uh, Julian DeShooter. And all the show notes, the references are always going to be there. Cole, thank you so much for hopping on. As always, check out the visual experience on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and give a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening to on. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate you guys staying home. I appreciate you guys doing what you can to flatten the curve. I appreciate the frontline workers who are actually out there giving us groceries and things that we actually need to live. I don't know about you, but that grocery store closes up. I'm in trouble. Um, so shout out to the people that are still out there doing that, practicing social distancing, the frontline workers, the nurses, and everyone as a community just coming together to take this serious and and save lives. So our job is to keep you guys entertained, keep you guys informed, and uh, you know continue to keep learning and stay passionately curious during this time. So I appreciate you guys for doing everything that you're doing.